You're about to hear a preview of Partially Examined Life supporter-exclusive content. To learn how to get the whole thing, check out partiallyexaminedlife.com slash support. You're listening to the Partially Examined Life, episode 328, part three. We've been discussing Yasha Monk's new book, The Identity Trap. I want to start us off with a framework that I want to throw out before we just get into ripping on this book or whatever, which is we have, of course, spent a lot of time evaluating ethical theories, right? You get a general rule, you then put that against real or imagined consequences, and you decide whether that rule was good. If you run against something that is counterintuitive, something, oh, you actually have to murder all these people. Well, that's not a good ethical theory. Or you have to decide that the way that you are applying the ethical theory to this case isn't actually the right way, that you're misunderstanding the ethical theory. We've also, in our philosophy of science episodes, talked about a scientific paradigm, a scientific research program, as Lakatoche called it, where you have a set of claims and you likewise evaluate those against experiments. And as we've talked about, it's not just that if an experiment doesn't turn out as the theory would predict that you throw away the theory, it's that maybe you throw away one of the subordinate claims, or maybe you decide that you were not understanding either the theory or the results of that experiment correctly. What we have not really talked about in this level of detail, ideologies. So a set of beliefs by a group, it's a little different than a scientific paradigm because that at least maybe is more explicit, right? There's some particular scientists that have theorized, whereas these ideologies are, you know, it's a nebulous thing that Yasha is kind of claiming, oh, those people, you know, who believe in the identity, they don't even understand what they, they themselves are doing. I, as the external observer, the historian of ideas, I can sketch out what they believe. And look, here are some cases that I bring up where it clearly shows something that is false. And I don't want, he doesn't believe in too farism, which is the way of saying, well, I'm going to retain the theory, but I'm just going to say this is an improper application of it. That goes too far. You know, we should admit, yes, Yasha, you're right about these individual cases, but the theory itself should remain intact. I'm sorry, Mark. I don't understand what the conclusion is. Well, I'm thinking of a way to think about what Yash is doing and a way to evaluate it. So on the one hand, I think that he has probably mischaracterized what I was referring to as supposedly having a superior outlook on what the actual beliefs are by being an external observer who's mapping these things out. He's perhaps mischaracterized and it creates problems when you're talking about paradigm cases for here's an alleged counterexample or a few alleged counterexamples, to then say, you should actually throw away the theory. You should not just say that you've gone too far. Doesn't that amount to like the way we would talk about assessing anybody based upon the first thing you're talking about is what I would characterize it as, what is the analysis and what seems to make sense and what's not making sense and what seems to be a straw man or what seems to be missing or, you know, the clearly drawn lines, where are the gaps, that kind of thing. That sounds like the first part, which it doesn't seem like the kind of characterization that you necessarily making. It's just that you, we would evaluate any kind of analysis that way, whether it be a popular book like this or whether it be Hegel talking about history or Nietzsche giving an account of you know, a tragedy, right? We would be evaluating it. Evaluating and, you know, his theory on, yes, you're right. He's like every other thought that he's giving a theory, but he's giving a theory about somebody else's theory, which is not the case in the other examples that you gave. Well, there are always theories about those. I mean, you're just taking him at face value. He's giving an account. 
which he claims is revealing a kind of intellectual history slash genealogy of identity politics. And that analysis is something that in terms of being an analysis and trying to tell a story about how some intellectual ideas come to be isn't any different than the on the face of it than the Kierkegaard that we're reading where he's talking about irony and Hegel and Fichte and Schlegel and Socrates. The way I would take your first point is that one thing we always do is evaluate and assess based upon what we have before us. So that would be the first one. I don't I guess I don't see that it's any different than anything else that we would do. Are you saying that it is different than than what we normally do? I think one of the things that might be different is we're reading a book about culture to some extent. So we have someone giving characterizations, general characterizations of what's going on in the culture based on examples that they've paid attention to. And so we can always question whether their general characterizations of the cultural moment are accurate or whether they're in their own bubble, whether they're just overemphasizing some phenomenon or other based on their own preoccupations, their own experience, their news feed, right? Their Twitter feed or whatever. That's one problem. That conversation is actually very hard to arbitrate. It's very hard to settle if we have differences about what the culture is and which particular egregious examples of this or that cultural excess, you know, which are representative, which aren't, which are just outliers. That I think is actually quite hard to arbitrate, even though we all have our own probably strong intuitions about what's going on. That's one aspect. And we can give a surface level characterization like, oh, there's wokeness or, or something like that. And then there's the theory. Right. So so then we can give a theoretical, a deep theory. What is wokeness committed? What is it? What is it committed to? What's the theory behind it? And we don't need to go into intellectual history to do that. We can give a deep theory of it, of what people must be assuming, given an array of beliefs that they're expressing. And I don't think it's that hard to nail down what those beliefs are because there's a lot of academic literature on it that exemplifies it, you know, standpoint theory, this, that. People overtly state those beliefs. They're not hiding them. It's not a mystery what they are. And then you can give the intellectual pedigree of those beliefs. So one can question, did he give the right intellectual history? And if it is right, did it go deep enough? Did it capture all the subtleties? Or is it too much of a popularization? And then we can have the larger cultural argument is what he's giving a theory of or characterizing the intellectual pedigree of. Is it even a concern? Is it even happening? I think it is, but I think it's legitimate to argue that maybe it's not as predominant a cultural force as some of us think it is. I think you could, Dylan, compare what Yash is doing to other critiques like Nietzsche on Christianity. He gives not only a genealogy, of you know how these these ideas took over the world how they became popular but then has some very fundamental theory things to say about psychologically why this happened and actually that's actually what's interesting about Nietzsche it's not that you come away from Nietzsche not being a christian anymore okay that's one way to take it but it's the psychology that he uses to explain what he thinks is wrong with at least certain kinds of christians and again you could be a christian and read Nietzsche and say Okay, I understand if somebody is really self-hating in this way and a despiser of the body, that would be a problem. That's not the kind of Christian I am. It is a very similar dynamic that 
one could read this stuff about wokeness and say, wow, you know, you're right. This extreme cancel culture and intolerance and calling people out for Halloween costumes, that's very mean-spirited. In fact, give a very Nietzschean critique of it, but still say that the fundamental things, you know, what is actually legitimate, what is agreed upon, which again, I'd want to critique his six points or whatever. You know, I don't think there is a wide scale agreement among woke folks that there's no such thing as objective truth. That's a straw man. It is in some literature, but you know, I just deny that this is like actually, actually got into the common parlance because it does not make sense to regular people. The other side of it is just that he does have a counter theory, which is traditional liberalism. We might ask, what actually does he mean by liberalism? Is it the same thing that John Rawls means? Is it the same? You know, there are different varieties of liberalism. And we've run into this before where Michael Sandel was critiquing liberalism to say it is incompatible with having a real culture, you know, that you need some thick versions of self. You need the culture itself has to have the ability to have preferences, whereas liberalism says, no, 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 hands off, let everybody do what they want. And Wes rightly responded that, no, that's not actually what liberalism is. It is the government is not allowed to impose anything beyond you know, embrace of liberal values. But of course, the culture as a whole can do so. So that's the kind of dynamic I'm talking about, how one could respond to Yasha. You know, I, I think you and I have different intuitions about how widespread relativism is, for instance. How culturally prevalent is that? I think it's more prevalent than you do. But how would we ever arbitrate that? I could send you a clip from the Jimmy Kimmel show, Walk Around, where People are, you know, I mean, you know, my, your point of view is just as legitimate as mine. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But, but what about reality? Your reality is, you know, it's your truth. You have your truth. I have my, all that sort of language, but not to try and get in an argument about that point, but trying to make the larger point that how do we arbitrate our differing intuitions on that? I don't think we can. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelife.com slash support. Thanks for listening.